It's the Face of Chicago Business Podcast, introducing you to the stories behind the faces, focused on fixing today's problems with thoughtful leadership and purposeful living. Sit down with us as we get to know the individuals who make our city second to none. How you guys doing? I'm Tony Arce, and this is the Face of Chicago Business Podcast. Today, I'm joined by your lender, Mike Wazorek. Mike, appreciate you being here, brother. Thank you for having me, Tony. I appreciate it, man. No, no, no. It's our pleasure. Now, Wazorek, from, originally from Berkeley, Illinois, near Elmhurst, right? That's correct. But uh, Wazorek, I think, uh, Polish, not necessarily Italian, but you're Italian, right? I am, yeah. My mom's or, 100% part. Italian. Okay. And then my father's actually 100% Irish. Oh, wow. But his father was adopted by a Polish family. Wow. So it was, uh, he was dropped off on a church doorstep uh, in New York and ended up with a Polish family. And so grow, grew up in the Polish culture, and my father and uh, his siblings didn't even find out really the, the story until my father was in his 50s. <laughs> so it was just kind of the, you know, you don't ask. Yeah. That's just what it was. And, and now for you, how old were you when you found that out? Um, we, uh, I'm like 20 years old at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. What yeah. did that do for your identity, I guess? Like to believe one thing and then all of a sudden it's like, it, I mean, not that it's a huge deal, right? But cultural identity uh i gotta be real honest i don't think i ever thought i was polish i mean it was like my dad was red hair and pale and freckles my sisters have red hair it was pretty obvious that we were irish you know Mm. uh and then he ended up doing the ancestry.com thing a while back and he's total purebred (laughs) total purebred they're like i mean that's like you know 97 point something or whatever so definitely a fifty-fifty, gotcha, you know, gotcha. Irish and, and Italian, but definitely no Polish aside from, you know, growing up in that culture. But and they say you, you you got a nickname too growing up, right? Yeah, even my father's nickname growing up was Wiz. Okay, just W I Z Wiz for mm-hmm. Wizoric. Oh, or in Polish they say Wichoric. 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 I like that. I get corrected often. <laughs> yeah, but but you look different than your sisters too, right? It was. Yeah, I mean, you know, my mother said she was always very very happy when she saw that she had a baby boy and that the child had dark hair. She was like, I just, I was just waiting to see dark hair, you know, running around the house and I've got yeah. two redheads and they're, they're beautiful. But yeah, you know, she's like, now the Italian prince essentially was, was crowned, you know, yeah, there yeah. was the dark haired child running around. So for anyway, sure, for sure. Yeah. Very so, cool. I dodged that bullet. I like to say, <laughs> dodge that bullet. <laughs> so, I mean, now you're, you're in real estate, yeah. you're, 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 you're doing the lending stuff, right? Yeah. But was that something that growing up you had an influence in? Did you see that, you know, your parents, was it something that you gravitated towards? You know, where did that interest come from you, uh, come for you in, in real estate? So even like on my podcast, we talk about all the time, how the heck do you get into real estate? No one like goes into school right. and it's like, I'm going to go to real estate. Right. And for me, it was like a product of actually selling weed. And I tell that story because it's like this mortgage industry got me out of selling weed, (laughs) but it got me right into it. And that was just because I was always good at building relationships, Mm -hmm. you know, knew how to deal with different types of personalities and always was able to work my way through things without a lot of conflict. Yeah. And it led me to a relationship where someone said, hey, man, you can sell anything. Why don't you sell mortgages? And I was like, well, what's a mortgage, you know? And he told me, and I was like, yeah, I'll sell that. I will sell that, you know? And so I did, right? And uh, there was a really, really quick progression from there because I was like, whoa, this is cool. This is different. 
and you can do it really quickly without even leaving the office. Like you don't actually have to go and it's legal. This is fantastic. And so it's an interesting story, but it's like, you know, everything really does happen for a reason and it grooms you for the next thing. And I really did right by people, even in something that at that time was absolutely deemed as illegal. Right, right. I was doing what I thought was appropriate, which was taking care of what people wanted to do to have a little bit of extra fun. And I didn't see it as, uh, um, you know, uh, something that was going to put them in harm's way, you yeah. know, and maybe that's whatever, take it one way or the other. But, um, it really did uh, put me in a nice position to understand I'm just putting a different product in place. And when you take care of people along the way, they'll come back, <laughs> you know, For and sure. then they'll tell their friends and family. And it's cool to see uh, the quick evolution of going from one thing to allowing people an opportunity to take that next step in their life. Sure. It's like, whoa, that was a big leap. Thank for you for telling me what that thing, that mortgage was. Like, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So did you think, was it like a personality thing for you that uh, were you always hustling, you know, as a kid? Or was that something that you just did when, when you were selling weed? No, I was always massive action on everything. Uh, my mom would say, she's like, idle hands for you is like, man, she's like, we just put you in everything. All at the same time, and like sports, and you mean like activities, everything. Anything. Yeah, she's yeah. like, it could be like flying a kite, kicking. Like it, you just needed to be involved, yeah, yeah. or else you were going to go get involved. Yeah. So they're trying to structure that time. I mean, it, it was to the point where my parents uh, dressed me in hyper colors because they'd be, you know, be at like a picnic or whatever, town picnic, and they'd be like, we turn around, and you, you, your you ass be, be gone. gone. Yeah. You'd be like, eat, sitting down, eating with a different family. That's like, hey, hey, just you know, yeah. They're like. Do you, you weren't going far, but you couldn't be found easily. And so we put you in hyper colors, but it was always massive action for me. And it was, uh, early on, um, put into like the boy scout stuff. And I was quickly like not fit for boy scouts. I was like, (laughs) unless we're doing like Pinewood Derby every weekend, this ain't going to work. I I don't want the Eagle or the weird badges. It's just, you know, let's do the cool shit, you know? And, um, then it went right to sports and, uh, anything I could do outside with the, with the neighbor kids, it was like, it was on, you know? anything and then went into baseball and up through high school and something that you know this will hold me accountable for too that I want to do sometime in the near future is even in high school baseball what got taken from me was the structure Mm. you know I got arrested um, two different occasions for uh, possession of alcohol at a party where I wasn't drinking I didn't have like they even tested me and but because I was in within arm's reach I was deemed to have then, you know, whatever, doing something illegal. Well, I get taken uh, two-thirds of my baseball season away from me. Oh. You get suspended, right? And yeah. so no matter, when, whenever you go back to whatever sport it might be next, you have to serve that time. Well, guess what? All my friends, all those people that are structured and have the same common interest. Now, it's a conscious decision by me. I, my, my ego at that time, I'm like, I'm not sitting. I'm certainly not sitting for two-thirds of a season. Yeah. Well, by doing that, and, and everything happens for a reason, and I'm here and blessed for that fact, but it shifted everything. I had to quickly make all new friends, like today. Yeah. Because today, you're suspended for two-thirds of a season. Like, I, I was able to stomach the first time I got arrested. It was like one-third of the season. I put myself, these are all circumstances I put myself in, right? But that second time, now I just left. I left sports. I left structure. 
And that's where I just found, again, massive action. Where's it go? 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 Where, do what do I right? do? Right. What's my new gig? Right. Before I'm like, oh, man, I'm a hotshot baseball player, and that's my MO, right? Wow. Now what am I? Who am I? What am I doing? Oh, let me find something that I like doing. Oh, pot's fun. Oh, I can sell that to everybody, and I don't have to pay for it. Oh, this is fun. Yeah. And then you quickly develop a whole new kind of uh, group of people, if you will, which was, again, it was fun. I found a whole nother, you know, I found it that I was, I found that no matter what I was doing, I was going to be good at it if I put everything I had into it. And that was natural to me. So whatever I did, whether it was constructive or not, I was pretty successful in it. So sure. I, I, now I try to look at doing bigger things For than sure. like, you know, Small, whatever, smaller tasks, if you will. But even then, I mean, it seems like now, and from our conversations, you're very health conscious, right? Yeah. It's, it's a big part of who you are today. Huge. But it, it also seems that uh, you were self-medicating in a way back mm-hmm. then with, mm-hmm. with the mm-hmm. weed, right? And um, now it's in its infancy of being legal and hopefully being federally legal. But, you know, even back then, were you as conscious of its, its medicinal benefits, even though it had that negative connotation? And, and you know, was it helping you? Um, deal with some because it was hyperactivity for you right attention deficit yeah a lot of hyperactivity yeah 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 I mean it just wasn't didn't have my nothing had my attention long enough to sit still and so I always say like none of my teachers did not like me none of them yeah you know I wasn't I was only offensive in that I was disrupted because I was not able to sit still for sure but I was never saying anything I never did anything offensive I was just like acting like a fool you right know? <laughs> um but it, you know, it's an interesting question, and I would have to say that I was way too ignorant to understand mm. the legal or the the legal, but the the health benefits. But no doubt was I experiencing them because I mean that's a goofy ass time in your life anyway. Yeah, and you know, especially you know, that's a really good point though too, or good question to to think about because when you're transitioning, right? You're transitioning from baseball and that's my group of people and this is what my activities look like after school yeah to brand new group and what do my activities look like well i have to fill those gaps right and so in in the act of just having that new you know activity of smoking or whatever else it probably did help me in the transition Mm -hmm. because i always said to myself and everybody around me no matter what i was doing and there was times that i absolutely stopped even testing for, for the police department which is another interesting story but um I always said if it negatively affected my life, I would immediately stop. Yeah. And it never did. It never clouded my judgment. Um, and it always actually increased my opportunity to not be in harm's way. Like even those times that I was in possession of alcohol, but I wasn't drinking. I, was never, I wasn't drinking because I was smoking a little pot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I wasn't, irony, I wasn't, right? yeah, I wasn't fucked up. Yeah, I could have right. drove or I could, you know, if I could have got out of the house, I could have even outran them. Right, <laughs> Just right, right. My point is, uh, you know, health always seemed the, the 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 alternative was always there now don't get me wrong i overindulged as well at different times but mm-hmm. yeah the health conscious aspect of it was either on the forefront or in the non-conscious because there was always um an alternative activity i guess that i had available from um the other things that were going around you know as i found these new groups of friends sure yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Interesting. Interesting question. Though. No, and 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 so and going to that conscious versus yeah. unconscious, I guess, uh, approach to your 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 health. Yeah, you went through something pretty traumatic, right, or or, or dramatic, or however you want to say it. That uh, it was a lot to deal yeah. with in your life, right? Will you share a little bit about what that was, and and you know some of the things that you had to endure? Sure. Yeah, I don't know what the word would be. It wouldn't be traumatic. 
And I didn't think it was dramatic until now. Like you know, looking right, back, you're right, like, oh yeah. shit, that was. And you pretty went through heavy. a lot. I mean, I mean, just a little bit. You told me. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a lot. And 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 honestly, I'll say like, uh, when you even with people that you know, veterans, right? And they go off to war. And I dealt with veterans for a long time, and I was I, I kicked myself in the ass for it now. And you're a veteran, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, we say to you. Thank you for the service, right? And mm-hmm. I hope that it's from the right place when people say that. But oftentimes we forget to say it to their spouses. Mm, right, right. Or their family yeah, members that were right. without them. Yep. And I'm super conscious of that now. Again, like you go through, through certain experiences and all of a sudden your perspective is fucking flipped on its head. And you're yeah. like, oh, man, I've not been looking at that right, right? And so... um when I go through this, maybe it was traumatic and dramatic for my mother and my father. Sure, sure, sure. And they're not me walking around in this body knowing what it is and isn't feeling like and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, this has been a very, very uh, unique time to kind of go back and, like, scan my memories and, like, you know, learn from them really quickly and then be able to, to push through each day really with gratitude and empathy and all those things that people are talking about. I'm like, I'm fucking, I get that. I'm like super clear on that being a a focus on how I become happy. And it's by making sure that I do those things to make other people happy. Yeah. But what happened with me and to, to give like, you know, the cliff notes, if you will, 18 years old, I'm diagnosed with, uh, anemia. Um, they come and get me, my parents come and get me after a, a blood test and I'm working at a warehouse stacking beer pallets for the ne- uh, next morning's delivery. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, 135 pounds, like skin and bones, you know, it's middle of the summer and I'm like wheezing thinking, damn, I'm out of shape, yeah. you know? And my parents come and get me and they're like, you got to come with us. You can't drive. You could pass out, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what? Get to the hospital and they're like, your hemoglobin's at 3.5. And I'm like, oh, that sounds low. What is it normally? Yeah, I don't know right, what that right. means. Thanks. You know? And right. they're like, well, it's supposed to be anywhere from 12 to 16. And, you know, we've never seen anybody, you know, breathing past five. Holy and, smokes. you know, you should be in a coma at seven. Jesus. And uh, nine is where we'd usually infuse you. And, all, you know, be, we, nine is where we'd start to really get worried. <laughs> You're at 3.5. And so what they weren't telling me, especially because I was 18, I wouldn't even have understood it. But all the... the the tests that they were doing, they were looking for leukemia. And so my mm. parents thought it was leukemia. And so like, again, that like, ignorance that, that's, and that's bliss. an indicator of it. Like having just that the, uh, the iron deficiency that was, was, was shown in the testing. And just the, I, I think just the full array of what they were looking at, the only thing they could really come up with at that point. And I mean, I love the, the medical community, but we all have to remember that doctors are practicing medicine, right? Yeah. This is just a, a, a very good, analysis or you know um opinion based on facts in a book right and so they were scattered for thoughts on what really could be creating this issue and why is this guy alive why is he walking around and so um it went undiagnosed for like eight years and they just basically said iron deficiency anemia and it's like but why (laughs) you know so Mm. From the onset, we were treating symptoms, which I was aware of, and we all kind of knew that we're, our options were limited. We were just kind of pushing for technology to catch up, wow. like to find out more ways to identify what might be. And at this point, are your only real symptoms that your energy levels? I mean, are you noticing something? So three and a half on a hemoglobin is your blood volume. Mm-hmm. And your blood volume is going to dictate how much energy you have based on how much oxygen you're receiving through blood flow, right? Your mm-hmm. blood volume. Mm-hmm. And so I'm walking around like, you know, 
gassed all the time, quarter tank right there. Yeah. And then I, I would walk around uh, normally between seven and nine. You know, if I, if I ever got to 10, that was like a celebration. And, uh, and it's something you can monitor on your own kind of thing. I, after it forever, I could tell them what my blood tests were going to come back at. Mm-hmm. The, the hospitals would let me schedule my own appointments. Wow. I could schedule my own gastroenterology or like my gastroenterology appointment or my endoscopies, anything. They would be like, Oh, you can't sir. This, oh, is this Mike? <clears throat> yes. Uh, hey, Mike, yeah, we'll get you in here. No problem. <laughs> you know? And so funny along the way, I, I did like many of these people's mortgages though. Even my surgeons, when we get to that part of the story, I still keep in touch with these people. Cause it was like, I always assumed these are going to be my, this is going to be my tribe for my life. Like, this is what my life's going to be like. I'm going to keep these people close to the chest, Yeah, which sure. was how I was anyway. But I'm like, this is just your personality was always like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping that n- no good interaction was a one-time gig. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, in that way, I've revisited a lot of really cool people along the years of treatment, you know? Yeah. So I think about it like that because when you're the way that it was hap- what was happening in my body is I had uh, in my small intestine the 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 lower half of it was diseased and it was just essentially um, bleeding lesions that would repressurize uh, different parts of the intestine mm-hmm. on the lower half of it and they would bleed and they would you know release not only the blood but the proteins and everything that the body was trying to to use to you know for nutritional value <coughs> and so um, um, I'm getting an influx of iron to supplement supplement the loss of blood so that they don't have to give me blood and and then in which case you eventually develop antibodies and there's a problem there of being able to receive blood right so oh, let's yeah. give iron to try to boost the body well they didn't really know what they were doing so there's no diagnosis right as to why it's happening so they're just pumping me with iron for these years and then uh, finally, they pushed me to another doctor. And, and all the doctors were great. They just were kind of limited in what they knew. There was no study on it. And this. at this point, almost a decade has gone by. Uh, well, this six, we have six years there. And, yeah, I'd say probably about, you know, a couple years later, almost a decade. Let's say eight years. Yeah. I go to another doctor, and they get a fresh look. They identify that, you know, there's blood coming from the lower half of the intestine. And um, they start just cauterizing. They start burning. They start burning these things, you know, and there's now I have tattoos. Uh, like I, at that point, I don't have that part of my intestine anymore, but it was full of tattoos so that they could identify where they had treated. And, and if they well, like treated, literal tattoos, like literal. they're marking it. Yeah. So they wow. can come back to the point and see if these things had reestablished themselves. Yeah. Right? If they're regenerating. Yeah. Yeah. Man, you, you were dealing with a lot. I did probably. And again, when I say when you say me, I know what you're talking about. I just want to kind of go back to the point that, yeah, I'm going through a lot. But, like, I was always of the mindset, like, I'm just showing up and I'm going to get some drugs. I'm going to knock out. I'm going to get up and I'm going to be breathing fire for a minute. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. that's just the way it – I wasn't like I'm going in there and I'm getting all my guts, like, you know, burned clothes because there's blood pouring out of them. And I'm like – I was just like, well, I just got to go do this thing, you know? Yeah. And uh, But my parents are the ones sitting there for freaking 10 hours a day, right? We're getting there at freaking – four o'clock in the morning yeah rolling home at like three o'clock in the afternoon Jeez. they're sleeping in a chair you know they're not spring chickens right yeah and I'm, I'm waking up and i'm half you know cocked like just about to get home right and you think back and you're like damn i had like 60 of those procedures you know maybe more six that's 600 hours 600 hours alone yeah 
just for the stuff that wasn't even when I was in the hospital for weeks on it. It's just treatment. Yeah. Yeah. But ju- just treatment. Just I, mean, their, just, you, I understand what you're saying, yeah, but like yeah. just their son for 10 hours, 60 times yeah. going into a, a, a circumstance that it's not likely, but anything could happen or they could identify a different reason why this is happening or it could be over, you know, but there's a lot of n- unknowns. So it's an interesting, you know, thing to reflect back on because mm-hmm. it's just full of lessons. Every friggin' part of my life now that I have like this different lens, you know, of perspective, as I like to say, it's just, it's, it's the greatest gift to have gone through something so incredibly humbling yeah. because I always had a governor, mm-hmm. like an inherent governor literally inherent governor that has now been removed but it was like when i look back at it it saved my life i've given speeches on this too it's like the things that i was involved with like i said in massive action it was like okay well let's go hard at drinking i'm gonna be the best drinker they talk about some idiot with a lampshade on his head well i'm gonna be the guy that puts like a freaking table on his head or some shit you know like well how can we just make it even goofier i don't you know like that doesn't let's be the goop you know let's do that guy but you're saying you were, were you always like this though? I was always wanting to be, to be the best in in what the focus was. So sure. yes, yeah, yeah, I wanted yeah. even if it was it was dumb things, it was massive action. I want to have the coolest name brand. Like I was such a douchebag for like a. <laughs> I remember specifically one Christmas. Like there's just massive action in the wrong areas was yeah. the same thing. It was just a miscalculation of where that effort should go. For sure, right? But like regardless, I was always like that. Mm-hmm. I was always always like that, and. Um, it served me well because when in that massive action, no matter what I was doing, even if it was like ill-advised or miscalculated, I never did it without integrity. I never did it with like a bad delivery of information. You know what I sure, mean? Sure. So that, that has gotten me, I think even in my health journey, gotten me where I'm at today. Cause yeah. I would always ask questions further than like what was expected, you yeah, know? Yeah. Yeah. And like the doctors would sit there and talk to me and then I would talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, wait a minute. Now let me understand this correctly. Is this what you're saying? And I would challenge them. And that opened up a lot of opportunities for me to go further into my diagnosis or, or lack thereof. Yeah. Um, but anyway, after all that time spent in the hospitals, um, now we're fast forwarding a whole bunch. And now at this point, um, I'm uh, f- 15 years. I'm 15 years into treatment, right? 15 years into treatment. And they're still just cauterizing these holes, right? Giving me intravenous iron up to five days a week now at the hospital. Holy smokes. And so I've grown up in the hospital, right? So I've grown up in the hospital, essentially. 18 years old, I was going once a week on Sundays. And uh, that was in the old hospital at Elmhurst before they knocked it down and built the new one. And it was like in the basement. There was like four beds and it was like their little cancer center. It was like, holy moly, you're going to the basement like for a the cancer center. And it's like, Jesus, this is morbid enough. Yeah, but like, yeah. and it's what they had and they were literally <clears throat> transitioning. But it was, I remember that being like a, this is different. This is a different appointment. But it was humbling immediately because you were going in there and I'm like, I'm getting iron. You're getting fed poison. Yeah. What was me? Fuck, I don't have time for that. I'm not going to be looking at myself like, what is, what is the deal? You know, and yeah. these people are, are, to me, every one of them, unfortunately, just looked like they were losing a battle morally, you know? And I'm in there like, 
Well, I will not be the one coming in here and fucking frown facing you guys because yeah. I've got nothing to, you know, to, to be sad about, if you will. <coughs> and that continued to be a gift, though. Um, I always had tattoos and um, all the new nurses that would come in and they were transitioning to a new hospital. So they were like really speeding them up as they were opening up the new place. Like they were always like, Mike, you don't care if uh, so-and-so does their first stick on you, do you? And I'm like, no. So like, I was like the guy that they all waited for so they can get their first IV in. You know, I was coming enough. But like, the point is, is that a lot of these women, I think, I don't think there was any male nurses, but the doctors, uh, some of them started with me. Like some of the doctors at a young age, you know, but some of the nurses, literally their first sticks in the in the professional environment yeah, yeah, yeah. many of them were me they grew up with you basically. Yeah. yeah and i with them yeah. yeah and so we look back and we're like i'm like how long have you been doing this and they're like i don't know like 15 years don't you remember you were my first stick and i was like no 15 <laughs> years like should we do like do we get a cake like what do we do yeah right well, I, you, don't, you don't think about it like that no, but it's for like sure, for sure life keeps happening yeah right and that was kind of one of the the other morals of like you know my my as I reflect back, my lessons was like, and I identify a lot with, you know, military uh, um, talk of like, you know, my best friend in wartime and, and listening to, you know, his boys that made it back. And they were like, you want to stay alive, you keep it fucking moving, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> but but I, you know, the only thing is you, you don't just keep it moving, but you have such a great Correct. attitude about it, you know, and you have a, you just have an energy about you that I think is very one contagious, but it's also that that good those good vibes, right? Yeah. Do you think that you always had that and going into it, it it's what helped um, in a lot of ways with recovery or whatever else, or do you think that's something that you had to de- develop a little more of that not only has served you in that capacity, but it seems like it's permeated your 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 uh, you know your whole life? Yeah. No, they're good questions, and see, like you, you, you wrangle me back in too, because I can kind of go all over with this thing because it's it's an emotional thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so I've always had it because that was given to me by my parents. I mean, I had a good, really fucking good, solid, like leave it to Beaver shit, you know, like really solid environment growing up. You it know? Seems like it. it seems Just like a, it. a good home that was a, truly a home, right? A warm house to fail in, to to succeed in, to cry in, to celebrate in. You know, all of it was accepted. Right. You didn't have to worry about like, you know. I just even remember one day coming home and I was young and apparently I was like just yelling every obscenity at the top of my lungs and I didn't know. Like I came in the front door, my mom's car was in the garage apparently, and she was laying in bed. She had like come home from work and I just yelled everything and she was like. How you feel after that, Michael? Oh, shit, I feel better. Do you feel good? And I was like, sorry. She's like, all right, I'm going to go back to bed. And like, that was like, sh- it was like, I get it. You know, there was acceptance in your emotions there, right? And yeah. then as you get older, I think like, I like buried that shit. You buried? I buried like my ability to like be that vulnerable, like, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like transitioning to your new friends, right? Yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. going into high school. You're, I don't know, if, whatever it is, acne or, or you know, it doesn't matter, but I think we all find these ways, not only from society, but like, of course, our self-talk, right? It's like we just throw layers mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. and we bury all the good shit, like all that, like come home and just fucking scream it out and like, okay, go back after whatever it is that you had to, you know, have whatever the task at hand was because it's acceptable to be a little goofy. Yeah. 
but then all of a sudden we kind of, you know, we fit the yeah. mold every yeah. once in a while. Yeah. And, and, um, my experience allowed me to go back to my roots and to shave those layers off rapidly. So it was always there because it was instilled in sure. me. It was a, it was a core value that my parents worked really friggin' hard to develop. It wasn't leave it to Beaver because we were all in a trust fund. They worked their, they worked their asses off yeah. so that we didn't feel, I said this the other day to a mutual friend that we know. I said, listen, man, I thought I was rich growing up. And now I know I was, you know, yeah, I was fucking yeah, rich in yeah, family. Yeah, I yeah. was absolutely wealthy. Yep. And that was that feeling of comfort. You know, wealth is to me what I think about with wealth and like, you know, going and getting more money is freedom. It's comfort. Yeah. Is the knowledge that if something else gets shut down, I'm, I'm not actually reliant on it. For sure. I can continue with my resources to make that goal happen. And in this conversation, that's the love that's instilled. Like, that's an endless resource. You can always go back to that well. Yeah. You know? When, when, you, when you think about real estate and, and the way you transact in it and the way you, you interact with, uh, you know, whether it be agents or with your clients, there's more to, 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 to dealing with you than just at you know, a surface level, right? Yeah. You seem to really be very inspirational towards people. What do you tell individuals whenever they um, are, are faced with something that, you know, they don't have the same personality you do and maybe don't, don't see how they could approach it from that same perspective, but you knowing what you know and, and, and you know, what, what kind of advice do you give to people when they face something that maybe something similar to, to what you've been through? I'm trying to get better with my delivery of it, you know, <laughs> just because like I want so I want good for everybody. But like you're saying, some people, they want it, they want but it, they're yeah. not ready to do it. And I just try to get everybody ready right now, you know, yeah, yeah. and sometimes that really flips somebody on their head. And other times it gets them a little frustrated. But what I know is they leave my conversations thinking about it still. Yeah, you know, hopefully yeah. thinking about it a different way. You don't need to make the decision in front of me so that you knew I was right. You could do it whenever. I'm not looking for it for me. Yeah, just hopefully for validation. No, yeah, just, yeah. just, just my validation is that I deliver this authentic message that I know they're going to think about it a different way, whether that's tonight, tomorrow, or two months from now so nobody knows it has anything to do with my I don't care. For sure, for sure. But if I'm consistent with that over time, and I have been, people are coming back being like, you were right. <laughs> and I'm just like, fantastic. So what kind of awesome shit's been happening? And then we talk about it and it's like, it had nothing to do with I was right. I was just like, wow, I'm really pumped up that you're yeah. doing some cool shit. Like yeah. you totally deserve that. Yeah. What did you do? Like, oh, I just did something different. Oh, what'd you do? Well, I just put my pants on the other way and then, you know, pulled my car out a different way. I'm like, okay, good. Because that was something I tell people. I'm like, you want to do something different? Back your car in the driveway. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? How do you pull in? Front ways every day. Oh, great. Pull back it in. <laughs> every day. Yeah. And if you pull in like you normally do, go, oh, shit. Okay. Pull it out and yeah. back it in. Yeah, yeah. It's one thing. Yeah. I, I drink up Coke every morning. Perfect. Don't. Don't. <laughs> drink now water. your life's different. Yeah, right, right. No, you, I, dri- I write with a pencil every day. Perfect. Yeah. Grab a marker. So is that part of where, you know, you talk about preparing people or... or you know, is, is, is it's that- just as it's it, it, you have to fight for me, I guess, again, wrangle me back in. But it's like you have to you have to tip, dip your toe in the water and see where people are at. Mm. I don't want to give them advice. It's just calling into question. Like, listen, start looking at some quotes if you want. I mean, literally, they're all there. Like the roadmap is 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 clear as just a couple of concise sentences. But 
if you want something different, you have to do something different. Right, right. It's really the same message. You can cut it and slice it and spice it and do all this, this whatever different things to the message. It's just you're in control. Yeah. So cut the shit. Yeah. Like you skinned your knee. We get it. No one gives a shit. <laughs> like you got to keep going to whatever the task was. We're not talking about your knee here. Right, right. You skinned your knee. That's fantastic. But did you get what the thing that is that you were going towards? Yeah. Or did you find anything on the ground? Why, why were you down there? I mean, I like to just make people think, right? Like, okay, are you, is, and, and this is a big thing that we, we talk to people, you know, uh, on a daily basis about, is it a complaint or is it an objection? Because hmm. people like to complain and that's okay. We get it. People got other things going on. So in, in, in talking to our team, we always, we call it the, you know, the, the, the Stonehaven family. I mean, it truly, truly is. But it's like when we're talking to, 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 to anybody, we got to identify first. Are they just venting? You know, like mm-hmm. if they're buying a house, they're like, oh, my God, I wasn't expecting the payment to, you know, to uh, to be that low. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to be. How am I going to budget for it to be that low? Or I wasn't expecting it to be that high, yeah. you know, just on their original paperwork. Not like that we had given them different paperwork, right? Just in the initial like investigation, right, of like yeah. what this house is going to look like. And if they say, oh, I didn't expect it to be that high, be like, oh, okay. And so anything else, you know? That's not like an objection. She's not saying she doesn't want to do it or he doesn't want to do it, but acknowledging that people sometimes are just saying things for sure because they need to, and it's a conversation. So great. And if they need a little bit more information on that, we'll go into it. But we identify that we're not going to create any more unjust angst in somebody's dream of creating home ownership because yeah. it really is easy. I see it in, in, in the, you know, I, I see it obviously transactionally often, uh, um, you know, a month. But when you dive into these family stories and you talk to these, you know, we're closing 180 deals a month on average right now. Holy and like, smokes. I'd say though, 60 to 70 of those are new homes for people, right? Wow. So we're in those, we're in those stories. We're in those yeah. people's lives, right? And we make a, a good, you know, conscious effort to get those stories, get that life story documented, right? And so when you talk to them and, uh, and you just, I don't know, you, you dive deep into what it is they set off to do first. And if you identified a, a faster pathway or a means to, to uncovering the, the, their ability to skip steps. You know, some people think I have to get the starter home because I can only afford this much. And then I'm going to renovate and I'm going to get my money from credit cards. And we, we look at really a picture and say, listen. This is where you're at today. Just like a, 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 a CPA or, I'm sorry, a financial planner. I'm like, no. you can get in and out of this money like a car. Use the leverage the bank is giving you to make your dreams available today. Don't wait. This is not our parents. This is, not a, this is a different world. Yep. And so I challenge people's idea of what's possible, you know, and just giving them alternative scenarios to think about yep. um and that's in everything and it's always been inherent in me i was always devil's advocates but maybe again guided in the wrong way more argumentative <laughs> you know just because yeah yeah going against the grain but yeah right right, right, right that's a great right. way to say it so when you jump in the flow i mean hell you can do freaking tailspins and you know backflips and stuff and like it's just high fives you know but point is is you're guiding people's thought processes a different way 
And when people say that they want to leave people better than they found them, I'm totally, that's my MO. You I know? feel that. I think you, you, you definitely live up to that. Well, <laughs> you thank know. you. No, because it goes, you know, the, the inspiration, motivation part, I think it's just something that, especially after the pandemic and, and having, you know, having, having to deal with a lot of these emotions, maybe that people didn't, you know, before. Yeah. It seems that at that table where you're transacting that there's a greater opportunity than just what's at hand when it comes to real estate that just in your speech just in your personality it tends to come out a lot you yeah. know in in that and I, I feel like you know if i were on the other end if i'm a client and i'm talking to you about certain things and you're giving me that that motivational speech in terms of just the real estate i'm probably thinking this guy's someone that you know i'd want to model you know, my life after even some of those habits that he instilled in his because sure. it's, it's paid off for you right and, yeah. and you invest a lot in your own in your self-development mm -hmm. your personal development huge so that's a big part of you tell us a little bit about you know some of those routines that that um that you incorporate into your life i know you take even cold showers and stuff like that right i mean you go to the i don't want to say the extreme but you definitely will go to the uncomfortable level that maybe a lot of us won't right yeah i mean and, and again at a time i wasn't doing it either so yeah, that's yeah, it's yeah. just as, as as easy and as hard as changing everything that you do um, in my health, I had to switch things quickly as we found out different information on my health. Yeah. Like, oh, this might help you if you don't eat that, or this might help right. you if you do eat that. So I was not eating really delicious things and I was eating not so delicious things, you yeah. know? And, um, I just knew that I was always able to kind of switch on a dime and focus and go again, mo massive action. If I know what I have to do, I can do it really well. Um, the first thing that I did was uh, Sohail Salahuddin. I don't know if you know Sohail, another great guy, great story to have on too. But um, me and him started in the mortgage industry back where my story began before. And uh, he found his way to the real estate side and I stayed on the finance side. But I was like, this crazy asshole's getting up at 3.30 in the morning. What the hell is he doing? He's in really good shape and that's always been a big part of, like forever and ever since I've known him, that's been a big part of his life. Yeah. So I was like, all right, okay, I'll try that <laughs> someday, you know? And then, you know, we've talked about this before, but Grant Cardone, mm -hmm. uh, big inspiration in my life. Uh, I just, I was transitioning my business and he just popped up on an inspirational video where he was just kicking ass, taking names. And I was like, man, that dude is on fire. And I like, you know, I identify with this. Yep, like yep. he was very straightforward and informative and to the clients like, you do need these things. That's why we're talking. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm trying to help you here. You need to see past your problems type of situation. And I was like, well, you can, you can talk to people like that. You can do that. I, I was told you can't talk like that. And he's doing really like they're saying yes. And like, yeah. they're saying yes a lot. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what? I was doing it right. Yeah, yeah. So that's like the, you know, the short cliff note of my infatuation with being edified through the learning of mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm the 10x rule which is you know grant cardone's for me kind of flagship uh book on and that's his 10x nation you know it's just the the effort you know uh, essentially for anybody who hasn't uh heard the book it's just conscious relentless intentional action on whatever that goal is that you've set out to accomplish be it you know the girl the perfect marriage, the perfect religion, the perfect involvement in community, the yeah. perfect involvement in whatever it is, whatever. But having that 10x effort in every category all at the same time by way of doing different things. And so it quickly, um, he mentioned in it about getting up early as well and starting your day. And I'm like, all right, 
Maybe Sohail's not such a crazy <laughs> asshole, but I'm just going to get up earlier than him. Yep. So I'll try three o'clock and I'm like, well, at three o'clock, I'm like, man, I'm kicking ass. This is awesome. Things start changing. <coughs> Things start changing because I'm like, what am I doing at three o'clock? Well, I need to get at my ass out of bed and immediately get into that gym or else I'm going back to bed. Yep, yep. So I'm like, wow, okay, I'm at the gym. And I'm like, okay, now I got these things they call endorphins that are rolling. And I'm like, I've got some good ideas happening. And so like this evolution was over time, but man, getting up earlier and being intentional and getting to do what I wanted to do before the world got to me started to be so powerful. And I'm like, man, I'm running out of time though. I got these little babies are waking up earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go back to to 2.30 now. And I'm like, oh man, this is great. Oh shit, I'm running out of time. I'm going to go back to two o'clock. So it started at it started at um, three o'clock, and it went to two o'clock within a month. Jeez! And you I were stayed waking there. up. Yeah, at two o'clock. In oh, the I was morning. at the gym by like two o seven. Jeez! Yeah, it was fantastic. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, like, and this is what's crazy. Like, Sohail says this too, and I keep giving him props because I told him I said, "Man, this was a you know big, just a pivotal moment for me. I was inspired by you, you know, and in 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 your routines." He'd been doing it for years and still does, but um, it it just switch, it just switched everything. You know mm-hmm. that two o'clock spot. He says it all the time that he's like, "You're just not thinking about it." He's like, "I sleep the same amount of time as you. I'm just in bed earlier, man. I'm mm-hmm. just in bed earlier." And I was yeah. like, "Oh no, shit! How about that?" True. And then I'm thinking, well, okay, so let's allocate my time appropriately, right? Right? So like how much shit am I really getting done between 10 and 12? Nah, not a damn thing. Mm -hmm. So if I go to bed between eight and 10, like my kids go to bed at eight, what am I doing after eight? That's constructive. So it was coupling, you know, the people around me, my inherent want to be successful. And at that point it was still money, but it was happiness, but it was still money in my head. This is even pre-surgery and stuff, but I knew the massive action needed to be there. I knew that the the momentum needed to be created by effort. And I knew that like, you know, something needed to change. And when it changed, everything changed. Everything changed in my life. Everything changed when I started going to bed early. Everything changed when I figured out, holy cow, my time is allocated much more appropriately in the morning when nobody can fuck with me. Mm -hmm. Rather than the evening when I'm at like half staff, like just like kind of, you know, plowing through whatever I can yep. put together. That's so true. And it's like, let's put together a business plan. I don't really feel it's wizard Doritos. Yep. I don't have a full thought. Yep. Yep. So it's like, take your ass to bed, Mike. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I look at that in my own life and I think very much the same thing. And, and, you know, I got to ask too, because one of the things I've noticed is you really like to take, you really like to take care of them. You really like to take care of people. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed that, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about a little bit was uh, the, the seeds program that you yeah. had, which I thought was just incredible idea. But, um, yeah, they're just the, th- the thought of it. Right. Is that are those things that you saw improve also, not just, you know, the everyday stuff, the things that you can quantify, but those ideas when it came to relationships and how to take care of people, did that change as well? So after surgery, you know, you have a lot of time to reflect. You're laying in bed and you're, you know, I fed myself through a bag for three months after that. And then, um, you know, had to build my body back up. But it's the first time in my life, again, that next gift, right? Like 
I got it off on a tangent again, but that next gift was I, I just I identified that through sickness, it's the only thing that ever slowed me down, right? That governor. Yeah. And uh, um, it, I forgot your question again. <laughs> That's my I forgot. <clears throat> Did you find that all those things that improved in your life, yeah. one of them was your ability to take care of people since, you know, those ideas, everything you talked about, like yeah. it would come to you. Um, I'm sure you always had a thing for yeah. taking care of people. You were taken care of, it seemed yeah. like yeah, you know, yeah. growing up. But then, yeah, just in relationships and business and the way you approach business to me is a little is different yeah. than a lot of uh, other professionals, right? Yeah. Tell me, but you know, just the way you take care of people. Yeah, no, it's a great question, and it's something that I'm like, you know, people are like, "Wow, I, I, you're such a nice person." <laughs> like recently, they've been saying this. I'm like, I'm getting to meet me too every day. Yeah. Honestly, it's like. I have been a nice person before, but people haven't gone out of their way to tell me. So I must be doing something different now. And it really does come from being grateful for the ability to have all these opportunities that are coming my way because of the efforts that have been put forth by so many that supported me. And, um, it's definitely helped, um, shed those layers I talked about. We put on before, you know, it helped me shed them and like kind of go back to those, those core principles of what makes me happy yep. and it's taking care of people and how do you do that well the macho tough guy me friggin 10 years ago isn't sending out friggin seeds and starting a gardening page you know what i'm saying <laughs> for sure but it's like that's what really was like the the net and that's the other part of like the grand cardone thing and why i have the word now tattooed on my wrist it's like i really truly feel like even in that law of attraction when you feel like you should be doing something well as quick as you can get to the business of doing it the faster that happy thing starts happening and happy is a good place to be. And if I'm like, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly, if I'm outside, I'm happy. Even in how cold it is now, I'm like, yeah. just, just put on different clothes. Let's go outside. Let's just go outside. <laughs> you know, but like pandemic hits. And again, 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 with complete empathy for those that have people that have, you know, that lost people or anything like that. It mm-hmm. didn't, it didn't come close to my home, thankfully. And uh, it was another gift in two ways. Um, one was um, um, it let me get off of my high horse thinking I had to be on camera and all like these, you know, oh, let's, let's have a perfect suit on. Yep. Let's have like all these things in place. It's got to look great, whatever. And I kind of was like that. But instantly when the pandemic hit, it was like, crap, I'm not going to be in a t-shirt. I'm not putting on a suit mm-hmm. and I've got full sleeves of tattoos. So mm-hmm. I like, I went home and I freaking put on a t-shirt and I went back and I was like, same, same message, different sleeves, folks. Like I just knew I had to kind of make that switch. Right. Mm-hmm. And going through this and that like self vetting of how do I take care of people? Well, at its core, I can tell you, it's just being authentic with me being taking care of me. Oh, here's a breakthrough. <laughs> Taking care of me truly is the only way to take care, like to, to identify yeah. the proper roadmap on how to take care of other people. First and foremost, you have to have, you know, that self-reflection, that ability to have that perspective. Like, whoa, I do have to have my cup full. You know, my cup is so full it runneth over, right? Yep, like, yep. You can't give to anybody unless you're full. And that really is a thing. Yep. Um, but it's fucking easy when you're starting to really take care of yourself, it's easy in the sense that it's easy. Like you, you want to feel good. And then you see like, wait, I'm taking care of this person by just looking after what I know is their needs. 
and then I'm finding my what I what I need is comp- like I have now that abundance. Yeah. Not, it's yeah. not monetary, right? It's just like oh, support. Yeah. Support this person, and all of a sudden, here comes the reserves. It's yeah. like oh, here's whatever resource you want, and it's like wow. Things really do show up no matter what actions you're taking, and so it's a lot easier when you're true to self and you're just authentic. And so with with all of what we're doing here, this is absolutely necessary, right? And and I have a huge focus on it now too. And the difference of anybody doing it is not the equipment. And I know I was busting your chops a little bit, right? And and I don't even know what I'm talking. Like you have everything here is beautiful, but if we're not talking about something we give a shit about, like right. I don't care. It doesn't matter. Yep. Everything you've put together, yep. it's for nothing. Has no value. None. Because what is it? Right. It's bullshit. Yep. But if you have an infrastructure of what you're putting together of people that have really had something that is a game changer in life, and if it's a true game changer, it's just across the board, right? Yep. And what do I identify? What I'm identifying every day, and we'll fast forward because we'll be you know here all day. I could <laughs> talk about this stuff forever. Is like it's opened up. We talked about this a little bit before, but like just different questions, right? Mm-hmm. Different doors are opening. Different levels of opportunity that I always knew I wanted to make available. And maybe before it wasn't for the right reasons. And now I want to make these different level opportunities available to really benefit like a, just a wider group of people. And it's like, well, okay, here's your pass. And like these doors are opening up now. And so you and I had chatted um, that that 10 X rule by Grant Cardone was like a roadmap for me being able to implement change and implementing mm-hmm. just things rapidly, right? Yep. Just doing things quickly. Let's wake up at two o'clock in the morning. Okay, great. Can't eat gluten. Okay, great. Can't do this. Okay, great. Yep. That didn't work. Shift, turn. The 10X rule just said continue to make that massive action, you know, just your constant daily activity and that, you know, success is your duty, responsibility. Excuse me. Um, uh, success is your duty, obligation, and responsibility. And I always really identified, which I know you do too, with duty, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's my duty to myself and to my family and to, to those that maybe didn't properly plan or didn't have the same resources as I did to be able to have so much that I can give to those people, maybe not just directly in hand, but I can give to them the knowledge on how to create more of that resource for them. Absolutely. And so it took me from buying a book to going to his mentorship program when I started this. And I told you a little bit about this with a, with a machine that had to move like the lymph, <laughs> the fluid from my legs out of my body, yep. right? And getting stopped at security because they thought I had a bomb and on the x-ray, it, I'm like, oh my Jesus Christ. It looks like a bomb. You know, wow. it totally looked like a bomb. Wow, wow. But anyway, point is, is it comes full circle that I, literally today, you know, my phone's going off now and I'm, 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 I'm hopeful, I'm sure it is, but we were talking today from Grant's, Grant Cardone's office and I'm talking to his cameraman directly and I'm talking to his... Yeah, um, whomever takes care of his scheduling, and you know Grant's got a pretty crazy schedule, um, that we're going to be able to do an interview with him. That's amazing. A personal interview. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm out of my mind about it. You know, yeah. it's not everybody in the world knows who this is, but even in this arena, right? This guy just knows what it takes to occupy enough space to get the attention necessary, so that people like us that really have some good intentions mm-hmm. get enough visibility that it happens. Yep. And now 
I've been again blessed with the, the ability to be the host on CNBC yeah. for a show called uh, Financing the American Dream. And that's why this opportunity becomes available, not just because of Mike, right? But Mike did get that other, other opportunity by way of different actions. And it brought me from the guy carrying, you know, the, the medical device that looked like a bomb through the airport to going down to Grant's office and having a personal interview. And he's got a growth con that he holds every year and they are holding it this year in Miami and there's just an opportunity for a different experience to become available by way of this interview and just that interaction with the, those higher level individuals that really can help me achieve what you and I are set off to do right yep, yep. is to help a good amount of people on an ongoing basis Absolutely. this isn't you know before and this is where I challenge people's minds it's like even my sister not always appropriate but I'll <laughs> give this example <laughs> You know, she was a teacher and she really gives a shit. I always love saying that. Like, that's the difference from us and other lenders or the people that I identify with is we actually give a shit. She really cares about helping kids. And I'm like, you can only help 22 kids a year. Yeah. And that's awesome. But yeah. you're worth more than that. But how do you help? How do you help 22,000 a year? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, fast forward, she's found a way to help a whole lot more people. Oh, no way. By way of things shifting, you know, yeah, just yeah. different teachers have. Some of them love their job more than ever, and some of them feel more restricted than ever. And she really wanted to help, and she just didn't feel like she could. Mm. And so now she is by making a shift. But um, it's just different thought processes, different ways of thinking is, is it's going to spill out to your family and friends. No matter what it is, if you are just down on your luck all the time, I skin my knee, I stub my toe, everybody around you is going to have skin, knees, mm, yep. and stub toes, so true. right? So true. And all it takes is in a, in a really dark room, one little light to be so friggin' bright yep. that all of a sudden you're the shining star. What did you have to do? How's your day? Fucking awesome. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? You know, they're like, good? What happened? Like, I don't yeah. know, it's great. What do you mean great? Yeah. Why? It's like, I don't know, nothing wrong happened. You're kidding. You're kidding. <laughs> Just yeah. looking for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, and then what happened? I'm like, I ate dinner. It was awesome. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Nothing bad. Nothing bad. But it's, nothing it's bad. a really good way, especially right now. Yeah, or in at the least pandemic. not seen it as, as bad, right? I mean, everything's happened. But there's always two different ways. No, it's 100%. the glass, yeah, right? Yeah, the glass yeah. is three-fourths not full. <laughs> Whatever. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, really. No, I it could be worse. And that was, again, just to kind of circle back one last time of the humbling thing that I go back to all the time is 18 years of treatment. Going through all of those years, I, all I thought about was like, well, thank me, thank, thankfully I have my ignorance of youth and like not really understanding what was happening sure. to my body and, and time running out, truly. Mm -hmm. And um, that other biggest gift was just going to these cancer centers. It never changed. It actually only got incrementally worse or better, depending on how you say it. But I would go and see people now my age that are catching up with me, and I'm, they're on breathing machines. Yeah. And at one point, I had two broken legs that I was walking around, and I didn't know about it because they had given me so much iron, they screwed up my bones. Right, right, right. And uh, that's a different story. But I remember being in a bunch of pain, but I was like, I have that five-day-a-week, one hour at least a day, sometimes more for blood, that I was looking at people dying around me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, all right, happy me. Yeah. What? You know, because it was... Much different country. If there was yeah. ever an opportunity, and I never truly did, if there was ever an opportunity for the woe is me, it got slapped out of me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And those, the pain of those legs, all that stuff kept me focused on feeling 
like I needed to be going to the next thing. You know, I needed to still progress in my life. But I was searching for answers. I was hitting those doctors at any time I could, just gimping along. Mike, you're an incredible human being. Oh. Truly, truly are. Um, you know, not just in what you do in real estate. I mean, that's impressive. I know we didn't, <clears throat> you know, go too deep into that, but uh, but just as a person, you know, I, I'm I'm glad to know you. Appreciate uh, it. And continue this friendship, but. You know, for those that are listening or watching, who, who should be reaching out? Other than obviously every realtor and, yeah. uh, and those looking to either refinance or buy a house. But, you know, who, who, who are the type of people you want to connect with? Yeah, you know, anybody who's looking for a little kick in the ass, you yeah. know, I mean, but that are receptive to making change now, you know, because me and you have talked about it. I really like to protect my time and stack my deck right yep. up to those yep. people that are looking for something better. Yep. You know, so if it's somebody that's, you know, it doesn't matter at whatever level. You know, but they're motivated for something different yep. and want some real talk. I have, I'm, I'm real good at real talk, direct talk. Um, if there's somebody that wants to even figure out if, you know, lending or sales is something that they want to get involved with, there's a great opportunity for anybody who can make it in sales. You know, you just got to learn how to, to deal with people. And there's a different way of, of learning it. You know, it's like, just give a shit first. You can sell anything as long as you're listening to what people need. Yep. And then put yourself in a place to satisfy what it is their needs are. So That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, that sounds like you. Please do not hesitate to reach out to Mike, your lender. Um, Mike, thank you so much for being here, sharing your story. I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate you, brother. We'll have to do it again. Oh, many times. <laughs> <laughs>